This edition of How To Be A CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. Is it still harder for women to succeed in business than men? Here are some stats. Pre-pandemic in the UK, a heady 2.17% of capital went to back a female entrepreneur post-pandemic, we're down to a percent. And on the other side of the table, 2% of investors at partner level are women. It's the last bastion of extreme lack of diversity. And if those stats are bad for women, for black women, they're just non-existent, right? This is an invitation to meet Debbie Wasco, a serial entrepreneur and investor who sold a love home swap startup for £40 million and co-founded the Albright community, which wants to drive change for women in business. I think that there's now a wave of interest. There's a wave of attempting to find solutions. And this message around backing women is a great untapped asset class, I think is really strong. So this is a story about female entrepreneurship, busting barriers, erasing prejudice, supporting others, and leaving your mark. Without sounding like an idiot and sort of talking about things like legacy, which I think sounds terribly grand, but I think I do want to be remembered for doing some stuff that mattered. I'm David Marsden from The Evening Standard. Debbie is going to be appearing at our SME Expo in May with a talk titled Graft, Grace and Grit. It's a personal motto that's got her through more than 20 years of startups. So when we meet at her home, I want to know how that works. So Debbie, tell me about Graft, Grace and Grit. It's just three words. What do they mean to you? So for me, I'm quite simple and I like things in threes, graph, grace and grit. And they're my ways of keeping in sight what matters most. So the first year is graft. I'm, I'm a northerner, although you probably wouldn't guess it from the accent anymore. And what graft means is simply hard work. I think that nothing worthwhile comes without hard work. And I think as, as a business owner, it's really important to realize that it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be the first thing you think about in the morning and the last thing you think about at night. Recognizing that and having that as a value and embracing it, I think, makes that easier. And the second G is grace. I think that's a very underused word. It's also the name of my middle child. I really try to focus on grace under pressure. Sometimes it's the hardest of the G's. And then the, the final G, the last not least G is grit. We talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time at Albright. Um, I'm not generally a great reader of, of business books because I'm much more of a fiction fan. But the best business book that I've ever read is Grit by Angela Duckworth. And that's because grit trumps genius every day of the week. And it's something that I talk about a lot to my children. And why does grit matter? Because it's something that every woman needs in order to thrive in her career. It's the thing that separates the successes from the rest. It's the ability to get up and get going every morning, even when you don't feel like it. it it's a muscle 
the more that you practice grit, the more naturally it will come next time. And, and it's the value that I encourage most within my personal life and my professional life, because I think it's the thing that helps you to drive success. The best quote I've ever heard about entrepreneurship is Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. He said that behind every overnight success story is a decade of the founder chewing on glass, wanting to give up and not doing. And, and that can be how it feels. So they are the three G's are my three values. They're with me day in and day out. And, and whether it's an affirmation or a reminder or a series of principles, everybody needs a mantra to refer back to. And it doesn't have to be complex. But my advice to entrepreneurs out there is to get clear on your values. Feel free to steal the three G's if you want them. Keep them simple and keep coming back to them because it's one of the things that keeps you going. But isn't it hard, though, to be graceful and gritty at the same time? You know, with the pressure you're under, particularly maybe at the beginning when everything might not be going your way, when you're chewing on glass, it must be difficult to kind of remain calm. It's the hardest thing. And it's not just at the beginning of your career. I'm 48 in a few weeks' time, and I set up my first business at 25, and it's just, you know, a, da a daily challenge. And I think that you're never beyond it. You know, if I look at Albright and, and the business that I co-founded with Anna Jones in 2018, our concept was, was born partly out of frustration of the landscape for women, both corporately and as entrepreneurs, and we set up to build a business in a certain way. And then when the pandemic happened, we had to pivot in our own thinking and our own business model. We had to sit at that kind of uncomfortable point where grace and, and grit and probably graft as well cannot always be in alliance with one another as both values and temperaments. So we're all human. But I do practice it because I think as I've got older in my career, um, it's less about banging the table and it's more about being very solution focused and collaborative. And you're always having to deliver a plan and deliver a team. I think you need to have the people around you with whom you can be your true self. And I'm extremely fortunate and all bright to have Anna as my partner in crime. You know, when the door shuts, then we certainly let rip. But I think that you just learn about how to get the best out of people and the right balance of stick and carrot. And I think you also, with a bit more reflection, think about how you want to show up in the world. And I do want to show up in the world as someone that gets the best out of people in all aspects of my life. And, and so how you behave is what people remember. People remember how you make them feel. So you mentioned Albright a couple of times there. So let's talk about Albright itself. What is it? Why did you feel you had to create it? No, it it's our way to combine purpose and profit and to try and celebrate and champion women who are leading the way to a brighter future and to create what we call a monster global sisterhood of women in their careers professionally. Um, and it is born of lived experience, if you like, mine and Anna's lived experience as a female founder who raises capital and in an extremely small universe. So that was my own experience as a multi-exit entrepreneur. I've built and sold three businesses prior to Albright. And I have to be really good at asking men for money. It's actually my key KPI. And that's a bit of an odd thing when you think about it too hard. And then Anna, my co-founder, had had a very different career, much more elegant, had gone from corner office to be the first female CEO in the history of Hearst, despite the fact that Hearst's magazines and titles that it publishes are 85% targeted at women. And she had learned how to climb 
the greasy pole to be a lone female CEO. And Albright was born out of a chance meeting. And I think that's one of the things that we've really tried to set out to change structurally is, is what we call organised serendipity. So we were introduced at a party by somebody who um, said you two should be friends, essentially because he only knew two female CEOs. And he called it really right, you know, and those moments in time can change your life. Meeting Anna did change my life, definitely changed hers because she had a really sensible career until she met me. And she made me regret ever go to the party. Are you the bad influence? Probably, yeah. Well, my mantra in life, as well as the three Gs, is what's the worst that can happen, which just sometimes gets you into quite a lot of trouble. So, and that is what Albright is. So on the back of the cocktail menu, we named Project Albright after the Madeline quote, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And, and that is really at the heart of what we try to do, which is why the grace thing is really important. And during the last three plus years, we've built out physical spaces that are women only um, members clubs, enlightened women, very welcome as our guests, all of the art on the wall by female artists, you know, they're a content platform, really a lot of programming takes place in the building, the wine behind the bar, we showcase female talent. And then we manifest that digitally through the Albright digital platform, the Albright collective, and that gives women the opportunity to support one another, if I may say, in the way that men have been doing for centuries. So that that's the business. It is, like any business, amazing and sort of hard and terrifying in equal measure. The pandemic has certainly given us our own challenges, but it's made us feel more than ever that women need us, that women need better networks, they need to be able to upskill, they need to build confidence and resilience. Um, when you're hovering around rock bottom, as you often are as an entrepreneur, you need a really strong team behind you, whether that's your colleagues or your personal board of directors or your family, that's what makes or breaks you. And Albright is trying to create that so that women can supercharge their careers. I want to pick up on some of the figures that you've been given because some of them sound like they're from the 19th century. Capital investment has gone down since the pandemic. How? I think women's careers have been harder hit by the pandemic than men's. If you look at all of the stats around the mental load borne by women, um, not in every household, but it is in mine, um, with three children, that, that tends to sit more with us. I think that there are green shoots. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we're naturally optimistic, and AJ and I are always about the lemonade from the lemons without being too cheesy. So, you know, what are reasons to be cheerful? When we talk to our Albright community, we've got about half a million women now on our digital platform globally, and two-thirds of them said that they were looking to start their own business as a result of the pandemic. So I think one of the positive things that's come out of the pandemic is more time for self-reflection, more time to think about why we work and, and to what end do we work and how we want to control the way we work. More of a sense around, I think, self-ownership and, and self-determination. And we feel that, that that this could be a great moment in history where more female entrepreneurs are born. But they're going to need help, right? They're going to need people to stand up and be counted. Women need to talk about money. 
women need to invest their own money in backing other women. That's what men do. And you don't have to be Warren Buffett to angel invest, by the way. And that's a campaign that I'm just about to launch now with a bunch of amazing women off the back of Alison Rose from NatWest Review on Female Entrepreneurship, which I'm on the board of, just to get more women investing. So there isn't a magic bullet. I get asked a lot, whether it's by male leaders or government to say, okay, yeah, we get it. How do we solve this? It's not one thing, right? Because it's about an ecosystem. It's about deploying capital. It's about upskilling. It's about networks. It's about education. But that's Albright's mission, to change the conversation for women at work. Can we talk about that investment initiative that you mentioned there? Because I didn't know very much about that. What kind of stage is that at and what are you looking for? So Alison Rose, um, who is the only female CEO of one of the big banks, was commissioned by um, the Tory government about three years ago or two and a half years ago um, to write a review on this. Like every People recognise it's an issue. And the brilliant thing about Alison, as well as her just being a great human being who displays all of the three Gs, I'm sure, every day, is that people listen when she speaks, right? Because she's a player, I suppose. And out of the Rose Review, which was published about two years ago, there were a lot of recommendations made. And then the pandemic hit. You know, and let's be real on that, that the Future Fund, which was the emergency funding that the UK government put in place with British Business Bank, is a particular mechanic, which I won't bore the listeners with, but that was put together by 13 men in a room. Like they couldn't even think of one woman to be in there, which, which sort of shows what happens in a time of crisis. So as part of Alison Rose's review and in working with her and some other amazing women in particular, a fantastic woman called Jenny Tooth, who's the chair of the um, UK Angel Investors Association, who's hugely passionate about this topic. We're, one of the things that was recognised, if, if only 17% of angel investors in the UK are women, and when you get to the bigger check sizes, we're down to like very, very single digits, then there is a campaign to educate women about what it means to angel invest in a business, that it's tax efficient, that there are some tax breaks in place, the SEED Enterprise Investment Scheme and the Enterprise Investment Scheme, SEIS and EIS, that make it tax efficient for you personally to put money into a high growth business. Let's take a break. If you're interested in seeing Debbie at the Evening Standards SME Expo, head over to smexpo.co.uk. Others attending will be Holly Tucker, who we've also had on this podcast, Louise Hill from Go Henry, and Kiki Onawinde, founder and CEO of the BYP Network, and there are many, many more. It's all being held over two days on May 25th and 26th, and it is free. Go to smexpo.co.uk for more details and tickets. Now let's do the ads. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Could this be a really good time for female entrepreneurs to start up then? I think so. I mean, I've always thought so, but I've lived a slightly mad life. But the reason I think it could be is that this conversation, the stats that I've just rolled off, They've been our stats since we launched in 2018 and nobody was talking about this. So as an example, I was on, not that um, this isn't the most important um, appointment of my week, but I was on Woman's Hour talking about exactly this. I don't think this would have been a Woman's Hour or an Anyone's Hour story a couple of years ago. I think that we have got a moment in history post the pandemic, which hopefully we are post or emerging, to try and change things. And I think there's a recognition that this is a moment in history where people are open to change. And I think that, you know, I'm always trying to mobilise an army. That's sort of in my DNA. So I'm Because I'll have a campaign and some something to get stuck into. But I feel like sometimes um, my old chairman always used to say to me that being early was the same as being wrong. <laughs> I think there's a truth in that. Like, so like sometimes... The, the people just you're not pushing on an open door but I feel like now you are and the message to female founders out there is that there's more support than ever there's a greater recognition that it's harder to raise capital and I think you've also at the other end women need to see it to be it often I think when I look back on my career and wonder why I've done it in this strange way the women in my family were entrepreneurs they wouldn't that's a fancy word so they would never have called themselves that but my mother ran her own business and my grandmother who was a really important role model for me died at 97 I took over her husband's chain of sweet shops and off licenses um in the north of England when he died so I was very used to seeing that I was used to driving with my grandma in her armored van that she never learned how to reverse it's one thing we have in common both being terrible drivers um to the bank to drop the money off and right so then I'd, I'm, I'm I'm one of five kids so I never had this kind of well that's not what women do or is that really possible because I just had seen it and I only now realize what a privilege that was actually in its own sort of crazy way so I think that we also need to showcase amazing female successes now during the pandemic there have been some incredible exits which let's be clear that's why people invest right you know you might be supported but you want to make money and you've had people like the two female co-founders of cult beauty selling to the hut group they delivered something insane like 157 times return for their investors you've got marcia kilgore at beauty pie you know the next beauty unicorn you've got charlotte tilbury you've got all of these businesses and it's not always the case but often women found a business with a female consumer in mind that's a sort of horrible generalization but at Albright we run all these female founders pitch days every month and we do see a lot of that and if I were to look at my own career the my last business before this one was Love Home Swap which was a home exchange for holidays inspired by watching the movie The Holiday right and so I'm a reasonably simple entrepreneur in that I always have to be able to really relate to the the problem and the solution and that's often typical of women and you've got this amazing range of innovative 
fabulous businesses. We need to make sure that we continue to be at the table. But there are some great and increasing role models out there. And I think that all of those things combine to make it a great time for a woman to run a business. With Albright, a major focus is about networking and getting women in the same room as each other. So then the pandemic hits and that must have hit Albright. And I guess the question is, and thinking about grit, how did you keep it going? It was the most challenging time in my career because not only did it require grit, it required quite a lot, a lot of ourselves and, and um, performance which when you don't feel like it is quite hard. And if you can remember back to that time, none of us were very Zoom proficient. Anna and I had always done a lot of spending time with our community in real life. It was a big part of the business and the business model and digitally, but not as much. And our community of women really needed us. I mean, people were struggling. And so we were there like with a Zoom, with a ring light. (laughs) And like, you know, as everybody had a sort of nice top on the top and tracksuit bottoms on the bottom all three kids using up the wi-fi you know it was really real on days when we just didn't feel like it and what we did for probably that first lockdown every day on instagram live which none of us ever used before was ask us anything like we're here we did an hour a day every single day that was super hard at the same time as trying to pivot the business we we'd had a, a digital platform build which was meant to finish in june we had to pull it we said we're launching it now it doesn't matter if it's not complete people so all that sort of stuff we had to deal with buildings being shut and shuttered um we had just opened our building in los angeles which you know was a really tragic casualty of the pandemic we never reopened it i didn't go to the us for 22 months having been there every other week for the two years previously that felt like a big failure i mean my blood was literally in those tiles you know i'd been out there with my kids and my husband and the whole it's really hard but sometimes life isn't quite how you expect it to be and it's not it's not really about the knocks, it's about what you do with the knocks. And you've got to have your own routine to set yourself up. So whatever that means to you. So anyone that's heard me speak before knows that I'm a sort of fitness nutter. Um, you know, I'm not very good at yoga. I have to sort of hit something every day and kind of getting up and like sticking to that and still putting my dress on and doing my hair and being, you know, that felt like an important part of the armor. It always has done. But it's a really challenging thing to pivot in real time while supporting your community to pivot to. And to emerge with a business that's better and stronger than ever, but it's not the business we thought we were building. I mean, absolutely no way. I mean, AJ and I talk about it sometimes, you know, with humour, because I don't think you can look back too much. One of my failings and skills in life is I have no short-term memory. So I can't really remember, like, how bad something was the day before, because I'm kind of on to the next thing. But without the pandemic, we would have had... Our three existing buildings, we were about to put um, shovel um, to soil in New York. We were just signing a lease in Canary Wharf. We were going to be a certain thing and now we're a different thing. But then the funny thing is things change, but things stay the same, right? So physical space was over and now it's back, back, back. We've got to go quick. We're back. We're back in New York. So there's a sort of cycle to life, which you can see a bit more with experience. But I think your ability back to the 3G to just pull yourself out of bed and get on with it you know my grandmother would always <laughs> like put your makeup on and show up kind of thing metaphorically or literally for her actually she was a big one for grooming so that's just what we had to do and you just do what you have to do don't you that 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 is kind of how it is but I think 
what is what was very important to us was the Albright community, them needing us and us needing them, each other. You know, this is the first business that I've co-founded with someone and it's so much better. Oh my God, I mean, this is such a weird, lonely life. And if you've got someone else that's with you on the bus, um, and that was another strange adjustment. I, AJ and I live in each other's pockets and we, as with everybody, we didn't see each other for whatever it was, four months or something, wasn't it? So it was, it was a strange time. We all hope we don't go back there again, but I think we learned a lot without sounding too cheesy. We learned about ourselves. We learned about the business that's better for it. It sounds like Albright might mean more to you than just a business. Is that why you didn't walk away? Yeah, I mean, well, there's all sorts of reasons why you don't walk away that are complicated to do with people and reputation and money and, and your sort of um, track record. But I think the business you found in your mid-40s, I guess I was, what was I, like 43 or 44 or maybe when I founded Albright, is very different to the business you found in your mid-20s. And I think... Um, I feel very, very strongly as one of four sisters and as a mother of two daughters and a son that I've got some work to do and I'm not quite ready, as AJ and I say, and I'm not ready to hang out our stilettos yet. You know, there's a lot to do. And I think that if I can, I'm very much of the mindset that if I can do something, I should. And, and that's how I, I feel about Albright. I was looking at your LinkedIn recently and one thing that piqued my interest was that you said you keep a notebook in order to keep yourself accountable. And I just wondered if you go back to your first notebook, and I don't know when you started that, but if you compare that one to where you are now, have you kept yourself accountable? Uh, yes. I mean, yes and no, but mostly yes. Um, I'm very, very, very target-driven. And this isn't to everybody's taste. I don't want to sound like a psychopath, but I, I do on New Year's Day every year, and I've done it since I was 21, write down what I want to do during the course of the year and I look and I don't look at it and I look at it in the mid six months in and I look at it again it's the same book almost finished now um you know look I mean shit happens right um you know in the sense and personal life happens you know I ended up being a single mum I have a much improved um second husband nowadays but back in the day you know I was on my own with a three-year-old and a one-year-old like in no sense was that written down in the book as part of the plan but I think there are some core values that hold good which is standing for something being accountable to myself and others progress you know I, I really need that in my dna i'm not i'm very extremely impatient which can sometimes be a failing i don't like to feel that things have stayed the same um and i think just trying you know my, my co-founder would always say there are three legs to the stool and and it's hard to have all three on the ground at once um, between your personal life and your professional life and, and sort of health and how you feel. And I think that it's interesting to look back and track whether those things were in balance. You know, they weren't always. Um, and how different points in your own personal history mean that you are prioritising different things. But I really feel that the power of putting pen to paper, I said to my kids, is massively underestimated. Everybody has goals I think you're more likely to abandon goals unless you write them down somewhere. And half of the challenge is always mental. You know, it's not really about will I succeed or will I fail or what happens if I fail? Because I've failed things and nobody, in no part of my plan, you know, I look with sort of amusement at the January the 1st, 2020 entries for what was going to happen in 2020, which of course, n none of that happened at all and lots of different things did. But 
setting the foundations for your goals by writing them down, I think makes them more digestible, less overwhelming, and therefore subsequently more achievable. Go to albrightcollective.com to learn more about Albright. And for the absolute best business coverage, news, interviews and features, make standard.co.uk forward slash business your go-to destination. You'll find this podcast in there too. This has been an invitation to meet. We're back every Monday morning with big names from all kinds of sectors. So let's do it again. It's been a pleasure to meet you.